the good life Let's go on a living spree They say the best things in life are free The good life Welcome to episode 223 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, and we are still in the beautiful, the beautiful country of Ireland and in Galway City, which if you haven't been to Ireland, I highly recommend that you spend a few days of your life in Galway. This city has a magical, sort of um, cozy, quaint uh, just vibe to it. Everyone is super friendly. The pubs are amazing. The food is amazing. Uh, Shop Street, which is the road that goes, it's just like the street you walk down that has all this life and all this energy and all these people really just celebrating life. And, and I always tell Brenda, the reason I love the Irish people so much is Ireland's impact on the world is incredible when you think about it. There are only 4 million people in all of Ireland and yet they've scattered throughout the planet and they've exported one thing the most important thing that we all need in our lives they've exported joy and you might even say they've exported love uh, it's good crack being here as they would say I think I said that right I try to use all these Irish phrases but I get them wrong all the time well everyone welcome to episode 223 here's what I want to cover on this little treat podcast for you guys, I want to talk about the fact that Iron Maiden LE has sold out. It's sold out. What does that mean? I want to talk a little bit about what we think Alice Cooper is doing in, in its attempts to reach 500 units sold. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Pirates of the Caribbean. We're going to talk a little bit about Houdini. And then we're just going to talk about some unique games that are up for sale. And that's all I'm really going to cover on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'll tell you why, because I didn't get any, any new emails in. And I would happily have read some of your emails, but it seems maybe either I'm doing a really good job or maybe I'm just boring all of you to death. But I think it's probably somewhere in the middle of those two things. So let's talk about Iron Maiden selling out. So all 500 Iron Maiden LEs are now spoken for. And that was fast. I mean, the rumors are that the game sold out in just three hours flat. Do you believe that? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell, but I can uh, I can verify that the game is no longer available at any of the major distributors, and I think this is gonna be one of those games that people will actually be able to flip for a profit if they wanna sell their new in-box LE, all right? The other games that uh, allowed people to do that were Ghostbusters and Batman. There hasn't been another Stern title since then that people paid more uh, for the LE manufacturer suggested retail price. Now, I think it's a good thing. I, I'm really excited that Stern is selling out of Iron Maiden LEs. I also think it's a little bit crazy and bonkers when you think about the fact that this game is selling out um, before uh, people have even seen it. But that's how it goes when you get the theme right and you sort of create an emotional fear of missing out for pinball buyers, right? We see this all the time. This isn't the first time a game has sold out sight unseen. But here's why I'm really excited about Iron Maiden LE. I think for the first time ever, I think for the first time ever in the history of Stern Limited Editions, I think you are finally getting the value you deserve for an $8,995 uh, Stern LE. 
I don't think we've seen any other Stern Ellie's provide you uh, or, or can be justified for costing what they do. And I think it's absolutely amazing. And I think that's another reason why the LE version of Iron Maiden sold out so quickly because you basically are getting everything that people received in the Batman Super Limited Edition for for what? Like $6,000, $6,500 less than Batman people paid. Now, obviously, 500 is much more than um, 80 but you still are, you, you get my point is like the value is there. Is Stern is giving you the value in the machine. And I think that's a great thing. I was also just blown away, blown away when I saw the video from the Stern factory in which George Gomez walked down this line of Iron Maiden cabinets. And as far as the eye could see, there were Iron Maiden games going into production. And sometimes, you know, we forget. We forget how big Stern is. We forget how massive their factory really is. We forget how efficient they are at making pinball machines. As other companies struggle to ship, you know, 10 games here, 50 games there, it's like Stern's got hundreds and hundreds of games going out every week. And it's it's a monster operation there. And I'm always in awe of it. I'm always in awe. And I always am very thankful whenever I see behind the scenes at Stern Pinball because it just reminds all of us that the reason why pinball is alive and well is really only because of this company. And this is not me shilling them. You guys know me. I'm very honest and brutal about when I think Stern does things right and I think when they do things wrong. And I think this is a moment where they should be applauded for putting everything into an LE that an LE deserves. For example, I didn't I don't even think I mentioned this before. You get the non-reflective glass, you get the shaker motor, you get the real back glass. You get everything that you'd want to to make a limited edition feel limited and then you don't have to spend any extra money on stuff like anti-reflective glass or putting a shaker motor in after the fact. I think it's annoying when people bought LEs and then they have to go spend even more money to put the elements into the games that they should come with. So I applaud Stern for that, okay? And I and I think it's a, it's a good it's a good vibe. I think there's a lot of good vibes coming out of the Iron Maiden launch and the reveal. And I think it shows the more Stern can let people in a little bit more and give us a little bit more of a behind the scenes look at what goes into these games, you know, tell us the story of making these games, revealing it in the right way, revealing it with Keith Elwin and and all the people behind the game playing it, walking us through it. They they made it really easy for people to make up their minds. Really really easy. And I don't think other manufacturers uh, sort of do that on day one when they reveal a game. I, I think Stern makes it easy for you to part with your money <laughs> on this title. All right. I'll have to be honest, though. I have, to, And this is just me being me. I really, 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 really want to... I want to want Iron Maiden. Does that make sense? I want to want it more than I do. And the only reason I don't really, really, really want Iron Maiden that badly... Uh, and I'm not like banging down every door to get an LE. Uh, it's because I don't like Iron Maiden the music. I I literally spent two days listening to all different Iron Maiden songs, and my my takeaway from it is this: I think the lead singer of that band like can't sing, like doesn't have a good voice. He's <laughs> <laughs> making it revolting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know his name. I, I still don't know his name. Um, 
I think Iron Maiden, they were like one of those bands to me. They're like kind of like Kiss where they used marketing really, really well to become really, really popular, but the music isn't really, really good. And, and, and it's like the same thing. It's like there's so much theatrics and stuff going on. I mean, I think the name of the band is amazing. Iron Maiden. Like, that's a great name for a band. Um, and the visuals and the imagery and all those eddies. And, you know, like wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt. I just remember, like, everyone looks cool in an Iron Maiden t-shirt. Like, it's to me, that's what's so... Like, the band visually has one of the most cool and, like, badass visual identities. And it's carried over to the pinball machine. But when I listen to the music, I'm like, eh, there are so many better rock and roll and heavy metal bands that I'd rather listen to than Iron Maiden. But again, that is 100% subjective. I understand that a lot of you guys love Iron Maiden, and I'm happy that you're getting the game that uh, you, you, you've waited for. I think you guys are going to be really happy for the, with this title. All right. But one other thing I have to say, and this is just me begging and pleading with the people on the forums. Can we please not have any more Iron Maiden threads? There, there's like, it's like someone has to start a thread every time they get any thought about the game. There's, there's owner's threads. There's, you know, there's LE threads. There's, uh, you know, reveal threads. There's even like the thread began with some other guy's homebrew Iron Maiden game. We don't need more Iron Maiden threads. We don't need threads comparing Iron Maiden to other machines yet. You haven't played Iron Maiden yet. It's too early to start all this shenanigans, all right? Let there be one Iron Maiden thread for now. One. Please, pinside, moderators, do your job. Do your job. Stop letting there be so many Iron Maiden threads. All right, what else is going on? Um, so it got me thinking. It got me thinking... Iron Maiden sold out like that. Batman sold out like that. Ghostbusters sold out like that. We we see certain certain titles, certain themes uh, that have a consistent theme when it comes to selling out quickly, and it's usually one thing. It's it's a property or an IP that comes from either like the late seventies. 80s and maybe early 90s it is stuff that has emotional and nostalgic appeal for people that makes people want it without even seeing it so here's what i want to do i want to do a google search of the best movies of the 1980s and i want to go down that list and see what comes up and and i want to throw it out into the audience to the listener and i want us to say yes or no whether or not we think this would make the kind of pinball machine this is the filter this pinball machine, if you made it, would sell out immediately sight unseen. Okay? That's what we're doing here. This isn't a slow sellout, a slow burn. This is a title where if Stern announced tomorrow or Jersey Jack Pinball, whoever, if they said, we're making this game, it would sell out immediately. Now, I'm going to cheat a little bit. Before I go into best 80s movies of all time, um, I am going to just throw out Jaws to begin. And I think Jaws has been the title from the 70s, that movie, has been the title that everybody, everybody has just said they will buy it sight unseen. So I think if Stern made Jaws, uh, they've got a, a sold-out game on their hands. Now, I don't know why it's so hard to get the Jaws license. There's probably issues because it's a Spielberg movie. But let's go down the list. All right. 
So this is what comes up in an, in, a, in an image search of best 80s movies. Number one is Back to the Future, 1985. Now, I think if someone said, we are going to remake Back to the Future, uh, I think that sells out immediately, sight unseen. I think you all agree. I think there were a lot of people hoping and praying that the uh, Dutch pinball was going to follow up Big Lebowski with Back to the Future, uh, but that would be incredible. The next one's interesting, E.T., the extraterrestrial, all right? Do we think E.T. would be the kind of game that would sell out sight unseen? Um, I'm going to say I don't think so. I just, here's why, here's why. E.T. is a great movie, no doubt about it. It's a great family film. It's, it's a classic, right? Everyone loves E.T., right? But it hasn't really aged as well as some other movies, all right? I don't really see people watching E.T. a lot. Uh, I also think that the pinball demographic, the male from the ages of like 40 to 60, you know, the, the prime buyer of pinball, I don't think E.T. is like the kind of, cool game he wants to own and 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 bolt to his game room floor so i think et wouldn't do that um next next movie here is the breakfast club i i i don't think that would sell out immediately ferris bueller's day off um comedies are really interesting when you think about it we haven't really had many comedic movies made into pinball machines so stuff like ferris bueller's day off that was 1986 um stuff like uh, chevy chase vacation Right? Wouldn't that make a good pinball machine? Uh, I, I think Vacation, to me, would actually be more appealing than Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, I don't think either of those, though, are like, if we're making Ferris Bueller's Day Off pinball machine, it's like sold out immediately. All right, we got Ghostbusters on this list, which we know the story of that one. Here's Goonies. So Goonies is another one where it's sort of like that campy, another Spielberg movie. It's a campy sort of fun, uh, hugely successful movie from back in the day. Uh, Goonies Pinball. It's, I, I think it has all the elements of a great pinball machine. It's got pirates. It's got treasure hunting. It's got baseball cards. It's got like little gadgets. It's got a lot of personality, um, Goonies. And I actually do think, if Stern said we're going to make Goonies and a limited number of them, I do think Goonies would sell out uh, sight unseen. All right, the next movie is Die Hard with Bruce Willis, the Nakatomi Tower. Do we think Die Hard would be a movie uh, that would that would create a great pinball experience? I'm trying to think like what... Even like when you think about the play field, like I think it's easy to see what could be on a Goonies play field. I think it'd be a little bit difficult to see what a playfield would be like for Die Hard. Uh, you got Nakatomi Tower. It's all taking place in an office building, and you're basically killing these terrorists on different floors of the building. I think it might be a little bit difficult to uh, bring that world to life under glass for pinball. So I just I don't think Die Hard, uh, even though it's like perfect for like the male demo, I just don't think Die Hard would be a great pinball experience. But here's the thing, and if, if you remember the filter of this exercise, it's not, you haven't seen the pinball machine yet. So if Stern just said, we're gonna make a diehard pinball machine, would it sell out? Um, I don't know. I'm on the fence about this, and I'm gonna say no on diehard. You might disagree. And this is a great, this is a great time for you guys to email me at canadapinball at gmail.com whether you agree or disagree. All right, the next movie is Stand By Me, 1986. I do not think Stand By Me would even have a, would even, would even sell many premiums, so no. 
Um, this one's interesting. Top Gun. The original Top Gun movie. I feel like Top Gun is that movie that every guy freaking loves, but every guy won't really admit to loving it that much because the movie is a little like, how do I say this with being politically correct? Um, it's a lot of like the celebration of the male physique. <laughs> Let's just say it that way, right? It's like, it's kind of like there's that scene in Top Gun that just, even though you want to be a guy that loves women, there's that scene where they're like in nut hugger jeans and their bodies are all oiled up and they're like deciding to play volleyball in nut hugger jeans. And it's like, just dudes like slapping each other high five it's like it's like every frat boy is like favorite scene you know what's up bro like you know when you slap a guy a high five where you you start up high and then you swing your hand around then you hit him on the ass as he's walking by you it's, it's like that kind of movie um but here's the thing top gun is amazing it's amazing movie it's got amazing soundtrack. it's got so many of those great one-liners that would be perfect for pinball callouts. Uh, so I do think that if Top Gun Pinball was announced uh, based on the original movie, I do think that would sell out. That movie just like defines the 80s for me. Um, we Raiders of the Lost Ark, we already have an Indiana Jones, but I think it goes without saying. Any new Indiana Jones game based on the original movies, I think would would do really well. I think people would be all about it. I just here's the thing. If it came from Stern, I'm not so sure because Stern had their chance to make their Indiana Jones game and it wasn't that great. Um, if Jersey Jack made Indiana Jones or just or just Raiders of the Lost Ark, I, I think it would it would sell out sight unseen. Um, the Karate Kid, which is now back. There's there's the I'm so excited for the new YouTube show where where Karate Kid is returning like 25 years later or you know something wow 30 years late Karate Kid was 1984 holy shit that is 34 years later um these characters are going to reprise their roles I feel so old like saying that Karate Kid is 34 years old um but I think Karate Kid is another one that would make for an unbelievably fun pinball experience and you could have you know, sort of like the All-Valley Tournament Upper Playfield Ring. Uh, you could have all the different training to become the Karate Kid. You know, wax on, wax off, all that stuff. I don't It's just such an iconic movie um, that I think Karate Kid, I think all of you guys love it. And I do think that Karate Kid would sell out sight unseen. The next is The Terminator. The first one, the R-rated Terminator um, from 1984. Did we ever get Terminator 1? I don't think so. Uh, I do think that Terminator is another juggernaut franchise that would sell out. I'm, I think I'm saying too many would sell out. But my point is that so many of these games um, would sell out super quickly. A couple more just to, for, for, to note. Um, obviously, we have, we have the Star Wars franchise. Blade Runner 1982 is another game you guys have said you would jump in and be all over. My thing with Blade Runner, I, I, it's another one. Blade Runner is like Iron Maiden to me. It's like I want to love that movie so much more than I really do. I just can't get into it. It kind of puts me to sleep. Uh, sort of like Sp Space Odyssey 2001. It's like every time I start that movie, I find myself in a, in a comatose uh, state within like an hour. A um, few other. <laughs> Dirty Dancing. Uh, Dirty Dancing. You know, I think that would be the greatest selling pinball machine of all time. No, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, a couple other ones. The Princess Bride. 
The Princess Bride to me feels like a game that Jersey Jack would do and do it right. And I think the Princess Bride, I would rather play the Princess Bride pinball uh, than Wizard of Oz. I, I think it's a more fun, content, like a fun enough theme where people grew up with that as as children. I don't think peop, us pinball collectors really watched The Wizard of Oz over and over again. It was more of our parents' uh, movie. But The Princess Bride, that is a special movie. It's a special movie. You get to some of these horror movies like Nightmare on Elm Street, The Shining, The Lost Boys, Platoon. I'm just reading some Beetlejuice. I think Beetlejuice would be another one that would sell out sight unseen. Um, let's see. Footloose, Weird Science. How about Tim Burton's 1989 Batman? We already got that game, I, I believe. Um, Weird Science, Caddyshack. Um, some of these games have been made, like No Good Gophers. Like Some of these games have been made sort of inspired by these films. You got movies like Full Metal Jacket, Raging Bull. How about Airplane the Movie? How good would Airplane the Movie be? Um, that's a classic. Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's any more. I'm going through these. Big Trouble in Little China comes up. You know, that's one of my favorites. Um, I think we're coming to the end here. Yeah. So, look. Look, my point is this. My point is this. I just listed about maybe 20 to 25 themes that I think would be much better than spending a lot of money on a modern theme that won't let you use most of their assets, that won't let you use um, the actors' voices from the films. I, I just think that, as I just showed you, there is still a plethora of amazing themes that deserve to be immortalized in a world under glass within pinball. And I think if you're out there and you're American Pinball or you're P3 or you're Jersey Jack or you're Stern, look, <laughs> look to the past to make profit in the future. That is my advice for all of these companies. I didn't read out Oktoberfest. You, all those titles, without even seeing a pinball machine, emotionally, you, you are, something inside you is stirred is something inside you stirred as equally when I say Oktoberfest? Exactly. That's my point. Go spend the money to get the right license from the right error, and you will sell. You will sell pinball machines. How many times does Stern have to prove it? And they keep doing it time and time again. Now, the real question is, how many of those titles does Stern have in agreement in place already? Right? They might not have... They might not even have like the specific contract signed, but I feel like Stern has a relationship with so many of these studios where they are going to offer Stern the first right of refusal on their catalog of titles before other manufacturers can go and get it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just making that up. It might not be the case, but that's what I would do if I was Stern. All right. Okay, let's move on because I think that's a fun thing. And I look forward to seeing which emails I get from you guys saying, hey, I agree with those or here's my list. And why don't we do it this way? Why don't you guys send me what would be your top three um, franchises that you would love to see from the 80s or early 90s or late 70s turned into a pinball machine? Tell, send me your top three and I will read those on air. This way I don't get ginormous emails or I don't you guys don't have to respond to all 20 I just said send me your top three picks all right all right let's move on to Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle um, word on the street is the game is selling well uh, I would 
let's guess. Let's do a guessing game of how many Alice Cooper Nightmare Castles do we think Charlie has sold to date with the non-refundable deposit um, process. So this is just a guess. And I'm, I'm, I'm factoring in the fact that, A, nobody has seen the game in person other than people at TPF, that there hasn't really been tons of incredible uh, streaming of the title yet, uh, that the code in the game is really, really, really just at the beginning stages. So we haven't really seen the, the beautiful sort of play field and, 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 and the castle and all the stuff that's in the game come to life through the code. Right? We've only heard a few of the songs, a few of the call-outs, but there's a lot more that's going to go in it. So the experience is very limited right now. So n with that in mind, and knowing that they're going to make 500, right? This isn't like 150 or 300. 500 is a decent amount. It's, it's an 18-month production schedule. Canada's guess for how many Alice Cooper Nightmare Castles have sold to date, my guess, is... They've sold, I'm going to say 217. I'm going to say 217 Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castles have sold to date. No more and no less. 217. I wonder how close I am. Uh, who knows? But that's my guess. Do I think they're going to sell all 500 over the next 18 months? Um yeah, but here's the thing. I I do. I I think this game is 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 really amazing looking. I think if the code comes along the way the Ro like Rob Zombie code did, and remember Rob Zombie, I mean they were coding a game that I just thought wasn't designed very well. So um, I, I I do think uh, people who want something different are going to gravitate towards this title. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the other part: is Charlie doesn't have to make 500. The way Charlie makes his games is he makes them in batches of 50 at a time and he orders parts for 50 at a time. And so if they sold 300, he can order parts for 300 because they have non-refundable deposits and you know that non-refundable deposit can go to paying for the parts they have to order. Uh, that's why you don't get your money back. Uh, but if let's say, let's say at like 410, orders stop. Charlie can just say, well, we're only going to make that many and that's it we were in, in you know we said the run would go to 500 but you know for all of you out there who own one congratulations you have an even more limited game than 500 and i and i don't think that's a sign of failure by any means i think charlie said we're going to make 500 of course he says that with hopes of selling 500 but the way he set up his company he doesn't have to make all of them and I think that's smart. I think Charlie's able to manufacture in a way that doesn't have him stockpiling millions of parts. And if the orders aren't there, um, you know, he's stuck with, with tons and tons of pinball parts um, just sort of losing value because games aren't going out. All right. So speaking of tons and tons of parts, um, Jersey Jack Pinball, when I went there, I was amazed at how many... Uh, boxes and boxes and boxes of parts there are there. There's millions of dollars in parts. And I've been trying to figure out how many dialed-ins have sold to date. And I think the only way to figure it out for real is to have someone who got one recently lift up the playfield and say what number is on it. And, you know, I hear everything from dialed-in isn't selling well, which is why they revealed Pirates early, to dialed-in is selling great. Uh, I, I think speculation like this is 
is a guessing game because nobody reveals numbers. Uh, I do think that maybe in the past I've said dialed in hasn't sold too well. I, I Part of me is basing that on the fact that I just don't see a ton of unboxing videos of people saying I, I just got my dialed in. Um, but again, Pinside is not really indicative of where all the games end up. Uh, I will reach out to Jersey Jack and just ask him how it has sold. Uh, do I think Jack will give me an answer other than great? or amazing or it's doing it's still on the line we're getting orders every day i i think i'm going to get a a marketing answer from jack he's a salesman i think i'll get a salesman response um but you know we'll see i do think we all want jersey jack pinball to be around for a long time i i think nobody out there wants to see jersey jack um suffer or do poorly and not have games sell I, i'm not rooting against anything jack does because i'm really really excited for what's to come down the road at Jersey Jack Pinball, um, Pirates of the Caribbean included in that. So let's talk a little bit about Pirates. There's not much news. We know it's coming out in August. Um, I think the conversation happening around Pirates right now uh, is, uh, this is one of the things I've been hearing people say, and I kind of agree with this. The game is beautiful. The art package is great, everything on it. I think the game is a really, really amazing package overall. There's one part of the game that has everyone being like, that needs to be changed. Like, come on, that's not good enough. That's not up to the excitement of the rest of the game. And that is the apron on the game is like the most, it's really weird when you look at it because I didn't even notice it because it's so unnoticeable. It actually is so unremarkable. And maybe that's what they were going for so that your attention is everywhere else. But it's basically this sort of like dark, dark blue, like midnight blue, um, images of Poseidon on each side with his staff, and and that's it. And I don't even really remember that being much of a th you know seeing that visual in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, right? I know they they find Poseidon's staff, but they don't you don't really see that visual. I mean, there's it's some it's just weird that that is where that goes. Now maybe it's that way because they're going to put stuff over it, like the game rules and something else. And so because of that, that area is meant to be purposely bland, but it really is kind of bland. The other thing people are talking about, uh, it seems that um, here's something that, that I hear people discuss, and I agree with this. So my big issue when I look at the gameplay of Pirates of the Caribbean is that I think the upper play field is really cool, but I think the ability to get up there whenever you shoot the right ramp is a mistake. And I'll explain why. I think upper playfield should be like special moments in a pinball game. You should see it. You should want to get there. It should be a destination, right? It should feel like I'm getting to the top of the mountain or to Mordor or to that world that I, I can't access yet. I think keeping the pinball player from accessing all parts of the game and having those uh, environments unlocked when you've accomplished something is a much better and more satisfying way of having upper play fields and lower play fields, right? It shouldn't just be something that you can hit every single time. And so here's what I think they should do. And if you look at the image of Pirates of the Caribbean, the right ramp could easily have a diverter on it that would divert the ball back around to the wire form and, and feed the right flipper. So they could easily make it so when you hit that ramp, there's maybe a switch going up the ramp or a spinner in the beginning of it, but you literally are diverting back to the flipper until, until you open up 
that upper play field. And I just think that would be so much more of a satisfying shot than always ending up with the uh, going to the upper play field. I, same because if you look at the you know the, the the whirlpool on the left, that ramp, it has a diverter, and it and it normally loops around to uh, the uh, you know the the rail to the left flipper. Only when the diverter is activated does it send the ball down into the whirlpool. And I just think that's a much, much more fun and rewarding way to implement that mechanism and that toy into the game. And so I don't look, it might be too late to make that change. It probably is. But I'm just saying I think that would make the upper play field feel more special when you get up there. All right. The other thing I'm hearing is that when the ball falls off the upper play field, it literally falls four inches onto the playfield, and people are concerned that that's going to cause damage and dent the playfield. And I would assume that Jack will put Mylar in that area. If there's one thing Jack is really good at, other than a lot of things, I mean, if there's one thing that they do get right, let me say it that way because that's better because that makes it sound like they do nothing else right, which is not correct. If there was one thing they do get right, they put their games on location and they test them to see where the games are wearing, um, and you will get... Uh, you will get protection, hopefully, from the factory when they ship the game. So whether it's Mylar or, or Cliffy's on the game, they will hopefully give you all the protection you need. Now, wherever there's like, wherever there is playfield clear coat, where there is like a hole or a scoop or an edge, they need to protect that. So I was, I was, people were telling me that the hole um, that's underneath that left upper flipper, that is chipping away in the game, and it. It, it makes sense because the ball is hitting the clear coat at an edge and it is going to chip away. All right. So um, we still have a long ways to go for, for Pirates of the Caribbean. We are not going to see this game until August. So let's not keep pulling it apart. The last thing I'll say is for those of you on the collector's edition of the game, uh, I keep hearing that the barnacles that are stuck to the armor when the final version of the game is revealed, those barnacles will completely cover the armor and the apron. They will not look just like glued on here and there. So I think that uh, it will look better, hopefully. I have to say, I love the topper for the collector's edition. I do think they made a mistake making the collector's edition based on the squid face dude. I think they should have called the Collector's Edition, the Black Pearl Edition, and the side cabinet should just have a really big, amazing, like shiny, glossy, big black pearl ship on it. And that should have, and the black arm, shiny black armor, I think, and then you could have had gold accents, and you, and then I would have had, um, you know, something fun, you know, you could do something fun where you have the topper going, but also like maybe the flag coming off the topper, like the sails on it. I, I just think that the Black Pearl edition just sounds so much better. The back Black Pearl collector's edition than the Squid Face <laughs> collector's edition. I just, I'm just not a fan of that ugly dude. I don't want to, I just don't think it, I don't know. I just don't want to look at him. Uh, do you think Jack is going to make a Black Pearl edition the way he did the Black Arrow edition for Hobbit? I don't know. I don't think so. All right, Houdini, moving on. So a lot, a lot of feedback in the Houdini thread. People are playing the game. People are leaving their opinions about the game. And I keep seeing people write something that goes something along the lines of, you know, a, a, a pinball podcaster keeps saying these things, and I'm starting to see, like, what he's talking about. And I, I just implore you guys, 
Go play Houdini and make up your minds on the game. Do not hide behind me <laughs> to be the one who has to be the bad guy to tell you what you think of the game. Uh, I think the game is difficult for sure. I think the code in the game could be made uh, to, to make it easier. I think the harder the shots are in a game, the easier you need to make people's ability to progress through the game. Now, I know Josh has heard that feedback, and he's, he's considering making some changes to the game to address some of that stuff. So that's a good thing, you know? I mean, they're not done with this game. The game just came out. Um, but look, guys, make up your own opinions about these machines, all right? My experience on the game was my experience on the game, and I implore all of you, go have your own experiences with the game. And if you want to... It's easy to sort of hide behind the shield of, of Kanade is the jerk who just says mean things about everybody, and I'm just going to say, well, it's because of him I canceled my order. No, it's because of you that you canceled your order. It's not because of me. I, I should not be the final say on whether or not you go in on a pinball machine, all right? All right. What else is going on? I saw that a Batman SLE sold for $16,100. That was the final sale price on eBay. It sold this week. And that's that's incredible. If you remember, I thought that Batman SLEs would go down in value. But the fact that now that's $1,000 more than the game was new. So they've increased in value. And I, I didn't think it would it, that would be possible. The game itself, the, the, the seller would not ship the game. So it's local pickup only. So that is also interesting. If he had offered to ship it, he probably would have got even more money. And the game itself has no mods in it. I mean, Batman's a game where uh, you can put a lot of fun stuff in it, but the mods can get pretty pricey. You could easily put $1,000 in mods into a Batman. I kind of think you need to do a lot of those mods to make the game look like it's a super, super LE. Um, but wow, wow. Expensive pinball is alive and well. People are rich in this hobby. Not everybody, but some are. Speaking of rich people in this hobby, um, or, or needing to be rich, uh, Kim Mitchell is selling his uh, Big Lebowski pinball machine for $20,000. Let that sink in for a minute. A game that was $8,500 is now for sale for $20,000. Now, we all know the story of why the Big Lebowski pinball machine is being sold by Kim Mitchell for $20,000. Because there are none of them out there. There are at most 50 in the world, some of which are down for the count, having issues. If you want a rare pinball experience based on a movie that people love, um, if you want a game that is probably the best world under glass that is I think ever been put into a pinball machine, then Big Lebowski is probably the game for you. The problem for you is there are none for sale. There are absolutely none for sale. Now, $20,000 is a really, really steep price for this game. I think we've seen most of them sell between twelve dollars and $15,000. So Kim Mitchell's he's, he's going for the fences with this, with this asking price. Now, look, Kim could ask whatever he wants for the game. Uh, he's a great seller. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of Kim Mitchell. I, I think the man is, is, is a great pinball collector. He's a great conversationalist. And I think he, um, he's a great member of the community. Uh, I bought my Magic Girl from Kim Mitchell. He's a stand-up guy. He sold me his Magic Girl. And you all know the story. We're not going to go over it. Uh, do I wish that I would have bought the Big Lebowski for $20,000 versus $23,000 for Magic Girl? Absolutely, 
I wish I had done that. And I'll tell you why. Because if you do buy the Big Lebowski pinball machine, you will at least be able to play a pinball machine. The stuff works. It functions for now. Now, the big question is this, and we all know the hesitation. This is why I think 20K might be too much. It's, I would, here's what my fears would be. What if Dutch Pinball gets their act together and actually makes these Chinese versions of the Big Lebowski and the quality is up to the standard of the ARA games? Okay, so if they, if they accomplish that, then your $20,000 Lebowski might lose $10,000 overnight. Okay, that's a big what if, because I don't think they're going to figure it out. I really don't. I don't think this whole Chinese venture is going to work out for these guys. I, I can't see them accomplishing this. I, I think it's going to be a lot like, I think some might trickle out, but again, I just I can't see them raising the money to actually hit go on the assembly line and order all the parts needed. All right, let's say that it doesn't come out, okay? And let's say you do buy this machine and you've got one of only like 40 to 50 in the world. Uh, you know, we, we won't even, okay, there's another scenario I have to talk about. Your fear then becomes, what if something breaks? Who's going to support this game? If a machine goes down, and I know this from, and we all know this, when some, it just takes one mechanism or one thing to go down in a game or one node board or light board to go out or one anything to, to fail. And, the, and then the experience of, of owning the machine is tainted and you don't want to turn it on. You don't even want to look at it. It's so annoying having a broken pinball machine. And we know that these guys are not providing support to the, to the early achievers. Okay, so there's that. You know, the other part too is if they figure it out and the, there's all new stuff in the Chinese version, then are they ever going to support the ARA versions of the game is another scenario. So even if they do make games, you might want to say, oh, I have one of the original 50 or prototypes, so mine's worth more. I don't know about that. The other thing, the other scenario is, well, what happens to the 40 games that are supposedly made and new in box at ARA? Those games are not going to just be collecting dust forever. Will those games ever become available? And if so, will they sell for $15,000, $20,000? I don't know. I just think that if you're going to want one, you're probably going to want a new in-box one for that kind of price. But I'll say this. We know that Kim's machine works and works perfectly, and he's had it working for a while. So I would rather buy a machine where there are no known issues versus opening up a box of mysteries, okay? But the machine hasn't sold yet. And that tells me that, you know, people just aren't willing to truly roll the dice on it. Now, I know there are high-end collectors out there that would, wouldn't care less about um, what other people think. That there are very, very rich people in this hobby that if they want a rare pinball machine that not everybody has that actually works, unlike a Magic Girl, they wouldn't hesitate to buy this machine if they really, really wanted it. Um, I think, you know... This machine probably walks for something like 17.5. I think that's what it goes for. Uh, what else is going on in the pinball world? And then I'm going to go, I got to go out to Galway. I'm loving this city. I don't want to spend too much time. But you, you guys know I love you. You know I love you. And that is why I take some time away and I record a podcast so you don't have to go too long on this Easter weekend without any Canadian pinball podcast. So don't say I'm not committed to this podcast. All right. The final machine I saw for sale that was just kind of funny is some guy bought an ACDC Lucy um, and he has it up for sale. 
and he says, I've, I, put, I bought this game, I put $1,000 worth of mods into it, and I played it 20 times, and I'm ready to sell it. And he says something like, you know, I've had many ACDC premiums over the years, and I just thought I would relive the magic, and it's just not there for me anymore, and so you can have it. And part of me is just like, why do people do this? Like, why do people, like, run into buying a pinball machine, play it for 20 times, and then try to sell it? He's trying to sell it for $7,395. I think it's a little bit lower, right, than what a Lucy costs as a premium. But I, 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 I I think it's indicative of what a lot of us go for. This guy probably, or go through, sorry. He probably had that, like, oh, I always wanted a Lucy. I never was able to get one. And somehow the experience of having a Lucy will be different. But he learned what we all will learn is that the game itself, if it's not different, it doesn't matter if your stickers and your decals and your armors are different colors. The actual gameplay experience is the same on all of these premiums and these LEs. So as much as like having that shiny new like cabinet is fun for a few seconds, the second you plunge, um, if you were over the game, you will be over the game immediately again. All right. Well, that is it for this edition of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Uh, I think it's an exciting time to be in the hobby. I think the maiden madness is going to take over this hobby for the next month or so. Uh, it's fun that they're on the line, which means we're all going to be able to play the game soon. And I hear the game's going to ship with 1.0 code, which is also amazing. I think Stern is Stern has got a major, major hit on their hands. Uh, if you want to email me, any feedback, canadapinball at gmail.com. Everyone out there, have a very, very beautiful, happy, and healthy uh, Easter weekend with your families. If there's one thing I love about Galway, and I'll end off on this note, I don't think there's a pinball machine in this this entire city, and I love it. I love sort of being in a city where, like, materialism and toys and everything, like, fashion, like, none of it matters. None of it matters. It's a pint of Guinness in your hand, some live music, and beautiful weather, beautiful people, and, and beautiful vibe. But like there's, like, there's like a happiness and an energy level in this city that I just you just don't get in, in any major new U.S. city. You just don't get it. Like in New York, you meet someone at a bar or out, and the first question people want to know is like, where do you live and like, what do you do? Like you're immediately sized up for basically your socioeconomic background is becomes the discussion. And then what you do for a living becomes what defines you. And in Ireland, I always find the complete opposite. They're, they don't care. Like you're, you're, you're just talking about life. You're not talking about like your nine to five. And I, that's what I love about this country so much. And I, I actually feel like really blessed to be marrying an Irish gal like Brenda and to be marrying into this culture. Uh, because I think it is very important to celebrate culture and our families and the people that we love. And that is why um, on this trip, I've been celebrating my, my, my love for Brenda. Um, we went, I got her something nice yesterday. And, and, you know, look, every time I spend money on Brenda, it makes me feel happier inside than when I buy pinball machines. And so I hope all of you out there who have pinball collections spoil your wives and children as much as you do yourselves, all right? All right, everyone. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon.